Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. This morning, I want to look at what does it take to truly maintain or even establish what we've talked about the last several weeks. Today, I want to talk about the importance of accountability and truly being planted where God has placed you. How many of you would agree with me that we need one another? Now, we say that with great gusto and, and excitement together, but what about those moments when, when something's not quite going right and you kind of recluse back in your hole? Don't admit it, but how many of you are guilty of doing so? Yeah. We hide back. Maybe it's out of fear. Maybe it's out of shame. Maybe it's out of embarrassment, whatever it is. But we, we hide back. Maybe we just don't want to bother people. But the Bible says we were never meant to do life all alone. In fact, if you remember, Jesus, or I'm sorry, God said that it's not good that man's alone. He had gone through all of creation. He had processed through everything saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And now he looks at man and says, well, we have an issue. Man's by himself and that's not good. We need one another. Our text for this morning is found in Colossians chapter 2 and it says this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow. Look at that. It's not enough to have a one-time momentary encounter with the presence of God. It's not enough to come forward just one time and say a prayer, and then life is great. But the Bible says you must continue to follow Him. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to throughout my lifetime or even throughout ministry and we're having a conversation and I ask them, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And they say, well, back when I was seven years old, I went forward and I gave my life to Christ. I'm not concerned what happened 40 years ago. I want to know what's going on right now. You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into Him. Let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thanksgiving. You're here this morning, you say, Pastor, man, life's tough. Life just beats me up one side and down the other. Life just throws me into the gutter time and time again. I, I got a question. Are you digging down deep with him? Are you taking the steps to build upon your life? The Bible says when, when you dig down deep, when you let your roots grow deep in him, then you will begin to grow in your faith. Then you will overflow in thanksgiving. How do we go about allowing our roots to grow deep? How do we let our lives be built on Him? I believe that a major component to the success 
of our Christian life has everything to do with our connection with one another. Let me say that again. I believe that a major component to the success of our Christian life or our journey with Christ has everything to do with our connection with one another. In the book, The Connecting Church, by author Randy Frazee, he says this, the experience of authentic community is one of the purposes God intends to be fulfilled by the church. Look at this again. The experience of authentic community is one of the purposes God intends to be fulfilled by the church. The writers of Scripture lead one to conclude that God intends the church not to be one more bolt in the wheel of activity in our lives, but the very hub at the center of one's life. In other words, coming to church and being part of a body of believers isn't just to be something else on your calendar. It's not just to be, well, I've got to do this on Sunday morning at 9.30 because that's what I always do and that's what my family does and that's when I meet mom and dad there and that's when the family all shows up. It's not just another activity, but it's a moment, it's an opportunity to connect together as believers and become truly a a family of God. Now, look at this. We, we see this playing out in the Bible. In Luke, I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Luke, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 14, shares with us that the early church met continuously together. What were they doing when they met together? Well, take a look. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47 says, They worshipped together at the temple each day. So they came together, they had a, a service, they had a moment of worshiping God. But what else did they do? They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They ate together. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. What's it mean by goodwill? They were just hanging out. They were spending time together playing board games or whatever. I'm reading into that a little bit. And each day, what happened? The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. In other words, they took the time to connect with one another, finding importance in the group as a whole, seeing the necessity in the family that we call the church. Why were people being added to the church daily or even on a regular basis? Because I believe that the early church was taking the time to legitimately invest in one another. They met together, they worshiped together, they met together, they ate together, they met together, they enjoyed the goodwill of one another, they invested in each other. Church, if you truly desire to remain grounded in your faith with Jesus, it's vital that we take the time to be and connect with one another. 
Let me say that again. I only got one amen. If we truly desire to remain grounded in our faith with Jesus, then it's vital that we take the time to connect and be with one another. We are not called, we are not designed to do this thing called life by ourselves. It's not enough just to come to church. We must do life together. I want to give you three keys. Three keys to a grounded spiritual walk. Three keys to unlock that door to being grounded in Christ. Number one, never attempt the journey alone. Look at your neighbor. Say, you can't do it by yourself. Never attempt the journey alone. We were not created to live life by ourselves. No man is an island. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you need not attempt it by yourself. We need one another. We need community. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Some of you just connected right there. Because some of you have walked in here week after week and you feel that you're not nearly as important as somebody else. But I want you to know that every single part of the body is important. In your physical body, every part of your body is, is important. Your little toe is vitally important. As small it is, as it is, it's vitally important. Your eyes are important. Your nose is important. Your lungs are important. Likewise, in the body of Christ, every single one of us are vitally important. God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Look at that. So that all the members care for each other. That tells me that no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how much talent you think you have, no matter how important you think you are or not important you think you are, every one of us are called, according to the Word of God, to care for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Every one of you today. Whether this is the very first time that you've ever been to Bethel Assembly. Whether you were here on the very onset of the church. You are part of this body. And you are vitally important. Let's look at a couple things. Number one, what do I see here? Remember, no one is perfect. When you're looking at the body, remember, no one is perfect. There are going to be mess-ups in life. How many of you messed up at some point this week? Don't raise your hand. 
too late. How many of you messed up on your way in this morning? Don't raise your hand. There are going to be mess-ups in life. There are going to be shortcomings in life. There are going to be times when you don't make the wisest choice. In fact, Romans chapter 3 says this, we all sin, we all fall short. In other words, we all mess up. Now, does that give us an excuse for failure? Oh, if everybody messes up, then I can do whatever I want because everybody's doing it. No, because the Bible also says, be holy because he is holy. But he's just telling us here, hey, everyone, you're not the only one. The sin that you're experiencing, the things that you're going through, you're not the only one that faces this in life. But I want you to strive. I want you to be grounded. I want you to push forward in your faith. No, it doesn't give us excuses. But it makes our mistakes, it puts them in the right perspective. There's not a single person in this room that is perfect. Not a single one of us. So what do we do with this? Well, Colossians 3 verse 13 says this, Make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Boy, there's there's a popular word right now, isn't it? Forgive anyone that offends you. We hear that about everything. I'm sorry, I didn't get pickles on my Big Mac. I'm offended. I heard something a few days ago, and I loved it. Offense is an occurrence, but being offended is a choice. You can't help but have offenses. There are going to be people that say stupid things, that do stupid things, that do the wrong thing, and it's an offensive moment. It's going to happen because we're people, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. The question is, how do we respond to that whether you're offended or not is your choice and the bible says make allowances for one another's faults and forgive anyone who offends you remember the lord forgave you so you what must forgive others the lord forgave you so you must forgive others. I'm not saying that we overlook their sin, but I am saying we don't shoot our wounded. We must begin to realize that no one is perfect. The second thing is remember we are a family, not enemies. The church is a family, not enemies. I get so tired of talking to pastors and church leaders and they're talking about their churches and how the church is is continuously in some sort of upheaval and and strife and there's always some sort of problem going on and at this and that they had this rumble going on and the church almost had a major catastrophe. How idiotic is that? We are a family. A family pushes forward together. Now, does the family always agree on everything? No, but we have greater love for one another. We forgive because God forgives us. We walk side by side. We encourage. We lift up. We promote. We help our family members. Why? Because they're family. Church, we are family. We're not enemies. Galatians chapter 6 says this, share each other's burdens and in this way obey 
the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. That means when one of us hurts, we all hurt. We share that pain. We rally together. We pick up our wounded. We carry them if necessary as they heal and recover. We don't kick our fellow Christian while they're down. But we walk side by side with them. Remember, no one's perfect. Remember, we're family. We're not enemies. Remember, we are to encourage and not discourage. We are to encourage, not discourage. 1 Thessalonians says this, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Did you see what Paul says here? He says, encourage just as you are already doing it. That means it's expected that you're already encouraging. You're already in the habit of promoting one another, not discouraging, not kicking, not downgrading, not casting out, but aiding in the growth of fellow Christians that are in your family. Encourage as you were already doing. That's why we have smaller groups to connect with in our, in our life groups and in our kids and our young adults and our men's and women's and our youth. We need moments that are smaller than this so that we can invest in one another. Did you know that it's so easy to hide out in a crowd like this? It's so easy to walk in on a Sunday morning Slip in, not really talk to anybody, get your coffee because you need that to stay awake. Sit in your seat, go through the service, and leave, and never truly have a conversation or a moment with anyone. But by doing that, we're missing the points of why we're here. Yes, we need this time. We need this gathering together. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of the saints. In other words, don't, don't not come. But we need those times of the close, intimate sharing a meal together. Enjoying the goodwill of one another. See, it, it's in those moments that we find our accountability with one another we need times when the circle is smaller than that of a Sunday morning service. Again, we are never called to attempt life alone. The moment you try, you are certain to fail. That's good news, isn't it? The moment you try it on your own, you're certain to fail. But the good news is you don't have to try it by yourself. You've got a body, you've got a family, you've got friends that are here to journey with you. The second key to open up this door is continuously pray for one another. Colossians chapter 1 says this, Paul is speaking. He says, we always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. 
We ask God to keep you complete, uh, to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all His glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Did you see what Paul says? He says, we always pray for you. We don't stop praying you ever since i heard about you i've been praying for you it's not a small prayer but it's a a powerful prayer a prayer for wisdom a prayer for understanding a prayer for strength he says we pray that so that you may be filled with joy some translations say it this way that you may have great endurance and patience i don't know about you but it would encourage me, it would fill me with joy to know that I've got a church body that's continuously praying for me. I would venture to say that, that you would be the same. That you would say, wow, it would be mind-boggling, it would overflow a joy in my life if I knew that I had a church body that was praying for me, not just once or twice, not just on Sunday morning, but every day of the week they were calling out to God for me that I would have wisdom and understanding and endurance and power and strength. I don't know about you, but that would fill me with joy. Okay, I guess it wouldn't you. That would fill me with joy. Because the Bible says in James chapter 5, the earnest prayer of righteous people has great power and produces wonderful results. So if I have a body of believers that are praying for me and they're pouring out their heart and they're crying out to God, the Bible says that this prayer that they're offering up is powerful, it's effective, it has tremendous, wonderful results. So if you want to see wonderful results in the lives of the people around you, begin to pray for them. You need to earnestly pray for them. But what's it mean to earnestly pray? We don't use that word earnestly very much. Well, earnestly literally means to put forth power. We are, we are calling out to God. We are calling down power from heaven. We unleash what in our own ability we can't do. James says the earnest prayers are powerful and effective. Church, it's time for the body of believers to truly be the church that God has called us to be. It's time for every believer, every person in the body to begin to pray for one another. Now, it's easy to pray a laundry list of prayers. Lord, I pray that you would help me through my day, and Lord, bless this food, and bless the hands that prepare it. Lord, you see the stress in my life right now. God, you see the struggle that I'm facing. It, it, it's easy to pray the laundry list of prayers, but when is the last time that you took time to pray for one another, others in the church? What about for the person that greeted you as you came in this morning? What about the person that is teaching your children in our kids' churches? What about the person that's sitting on the end of your row? Pastor, I don't, know, don't even know what their name is. Get to know them. Paul says, we've been praying for you ever since we heard about you. 
Get to know them and then begin to pray for them. When is the last time that you began to call out the names of the people in this church throughout the week? That's what we're called to do. When we begin to pray for those around us, we unleash the power of God to do, you ready for this, the impossible. Wow. We unleash the power of God to do the impossible. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that God is able to do the impossible. There's nothing that he can't accomplish. So when I begin to call out to him, I'm unleashing the power of God to do the impossible in the lives of the people around me. See, we serve a God that is able and willing. He just desires to use us to be the fuse that sets forth the power. And I believe that the only way that we will ever see the power of God move in and through the church is when the church begins to earnestly pray for the power of God to move in and through the church. Let me say that one more time. The only way that we will ever see the power of God move in and through the church is when we, the church, when you, the church, when I, the church, begins to earnestly pray for the power of God to move in and through the church. We must be a people of prayer. It's time to begin to pray for one another. Colossians 1.23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. There's that word again, continue. Meaning it, it's assumed that it's already occurring. Continue to believe. Continue to stand firm. Look at our text again. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thanksgiving. Continue to follow Him. Let your roots go down deep. Yes, there are going to be times when life is difficult. Yes, there are going to be moments when the winds of life blow up against you. But you cannot stop digging down deep into the roots of God. You must build upon these roots, brick by brick, applying the very Word of God to the battle that you're facing. Remember, the battle is not yours. The battle is His. The victory is yours. Build upon the very foundation that God has for you. What did Jesus do when he was tempted in the desert? He resisted. How did he resist? He used the word of God. The only way that you're going to know the word of God well enough to use the word of God is to be a part of the word of God and hide the word of God in your hearts. Build upon the foundation that God has set you on. Colossians chapter 3, since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights, wow, I skipped pages, a bunch of pages. You guys are wanting to get out of here, aren't you? Who, who's controlling my iPad? That's my question. No matter what society has to say, 
There is, however, a level in which we must take responsibility. It's easy to blame our culture. It's easy to blame someone else. It's easy to blame our upbringing, to blame our friends or our parents or even the stress that we're facing in life. But there comes a point in time that we must stop making excuses and dig down deep in our roots. Over the last several weeks, we've taken time to really dig in and discover what it means to be grounded in our faith. Some of you have created personal mission statements. But if all we do is talk about it and we never move forward, we're fooling ourselves. James chapter 1 says this, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Let me ask you this morning. When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you have that choice to make, you know, the choice, do I make myself presentable? Do I comb my hair? Do I brush my teeth? Do I straighten my shirt? Or do I simply pretend that all is well and move forward in the day? I will just be honest with you. If I'm climbing right out of bed and you ring the doorbell, I'm not answering the door. Because this hair stands straight up. It's rough. There's, there's action steps that I've got to take to physically be ready to be presentable for the, for the day. So why is it that in our spiritual lives, we turn our heads and pretend that all is okay? If we would take the time, and, and I'm looking across the room, and it, it appears that you all took the time to, to comb your hair, hopefully brush your teeth, clean up a little bit, get yourself looking nice, and, and, and you came to church. You've taken the time to do what it takes to get yourself physically presentable. But what about your spiritual life? You turn your head and you walk away. I would say the third key would be this. No matter how difficult it gets, don't give up. I'm a pastor. I just, I've just messed up too many times. I'm tired of dealing with that spiritual cowlick every day. I face that same issue on a regular basis, and I'm just tired. I'm ready to throw in the tip. Don't give up. You've got a family around you. You've got a church around you that wants to walk side by side with you. We just read it. You must continue to believe. You must continue to stand firm. You must hold on to the Word of God. Let your faith grow down deep. Because here's what I've discovered. The Word of God has the power. The presence of God is life-changing. And the promises of God are a guarantee. For you, the Word of God has power. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through it dissects, it cleans up. It cuts away the junk in life. 
the presence of God is life changing. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's life changing. And the promises of God are a guarantee. They're a yes and an amen in Jesus. It's time to build upon those promises. One final scripture, Colossians chapter 3. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ. Get this. Set your sights on the reality of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand, think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why? Because the things of earth are going to overwhelm you. The things of earth are going to consume you. Just fix your eyes not on the temporary things, but the eternal. And I love how it says this. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Church, I want you to know that there's coming a day when you're going to experience so much more than what this earth has to offer. You see, what we experience now is is but a season. But there's coming a day when your true reality, your true eternity is going to be set into motion. There's coming a day for those that remain faithful, for those that remain grounded in the Word of God, for those that haven't given up are going to be called to all eternity with God. It's time to set your eyes on the reality of heaven. It's time to dig down deep. It's time to press in. It's time to never, ever, ever give up. You need one another. I don't care how strong you think you are by yourself. You cannot do this walk with Christ alone. You need one another. You need the earnest prayers of your fellow Christians. You need the support. You need the strength that only a body together, only a family can offer. But you need to set your sights Don't get fixated on the junk around you. But look to Jesus.